0: Welcome to the Mile 99 interview series with your hosts, Greg Larkin, Mike Turner, and Jessica Harris. Enjoy this episode, and we'll hope to see you on the trails soon.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Mile 99 interview. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Turner. So the Mile 99 is a place to hang out with like-minded folks in our community, share our stories, successes, failures deepest trail secrets, all that good stuff. It's also a place to get the latest news on races and what's happening in our community and what are the changes to the races. There's been a lot of changes this year. We record in front of a live Zoom audience so we do one take and no breaks and uh, unlike what you, unlike the trails, what's said here is on the record forever. I'm here tonight with my co-host Jessica Harris and Greg Larkin. Jessica, how's it going?
2: pretty good. I, this last weekend, I went to Berkeley with my kiddos to enjoy some cooler weather. And then I came back to the Sacramento area and I must've brought it back with me because it's been 70, 72, almost all week. So pretty nice. How are you, Greg?
0: Good. Definitely digging the weather for sure. Um, Been out there trying to get some miles in, as you all heard me uh, like a broken record. My foot's been bugging me for like I don't know now, six, eight, nine months. I don't know. Planar fasciitis. It just takes forever. But Jessica reminded me and recommended that I've got this thing called the yoga toes and you wear it. And it's like, what is it? Like that thing that you wear when you're getting your toenails done. Not mm-hmm. that I've ever had that done, but people <laughs> have true. that done from time to time and they spread your toes mm-hmm. out. Well, it's like that thing on steroids, but Honestly, I've done it for three days in a row now for 20 to 30 minutes a day. And I did run last night. I don't think I had any near nearly any of the pain that I've had. So I'm cautiously optimistic because then I also signed up for Lake Sonoma 100K and Labor Day. So we'll
1: see.
2: Wow. Those are good things, Greg.
1: (laughs) You know, Greg, you could wear Birkenstocks and it has the same effect. (laughs) Does <laughs> no, it? Okay. It does See,
0: I didn't come from the deadhead culture though. So <laughs> I don't know these things. I, you need to educate. Me.
2: <laughs> oh man. So we have fun like this all night and I will be taking care of the interactive portion of the interview. So I'm on Facebook live and then there's a zoom chat here. Send me all your questions um, and I can get them over to Ben. And uh, we're on Patreon for just a dollar a month. You can support us. Keep the light- lights on over here. We do have a new supporter, Eddie Schmidt, who was our previous guest. He's our new newest Patreon, along with Beth and Sarah and Super Dave. Thanks, guys. Um, everyone else will make sure to link our Patreon below.
1: Awesome. I might join the Patreon as well. <laughs> <laughs> that another. sounds like
0: some kind of weird inception stuff, but <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> uh- so tonight, I'm, we're all really excited tonight to talk to a, a local Northern California, Nevada County grown, ultra runner, thru-hiker, FKT, OKT holder, overall just adventurer, Ben Mitchell. Ben, welcome to the show. How's it going?
3: Good. Thanks for having me on. How are you doing?
1: Good. We're excited tonight. I mean, I've been uh, I've known you for a lot of years and you're, a, a, you're not a normal ultra runner. You're more of like an adventurer. I, I would put you in that in any one category, cause you just, you like a lot, you like to just get out and do just interesting things.
3: I do, I like a lot of variety. Um, I, I would definitely consider myself an adventurer more than anything. I mean, definitely an ultra runner as well.
1: So you uh, you <laughs> grew up in the Bay area, right? you saying and you were, is that right? How, what was it like growing up there as a kid? Were you active?
3: Uh, Not really. <laughs> I did run as a kid, but I never played any sports growing up. Yeah, I grew up in Berkeley till I was about twelve, primarily Berkeley. Then moved up to Nevada City.
1: Were your folks active, mom and dad, runners or anything, or
3: somewhat? Yeah, more so my stepdad, not runners. And my older, I have two older stepbrothers, uh, significantly older, and they're into sports and my younger brother did almost every sport I was I was really the least athletic person in the family
1: <laughs> are they active well, now
3: most continue to be uh my parents uh getting a little old for uh sports but yeah. So Ben, like, what was it
0: about your childhood that, you know, mm-hmm. maybe you had the siblings and they were doing stuff Were you just like into other things, just reading or books or what was your deal? Like, why did you think, uh, you know, they were out there and you decided to maybe not do that.
3: I was very introverted and very just in my head. I basically, I just had no interest in sports or competition, I had little awareness of the outside world.
0: Mhm. <laughs> Yeah. I think it's a tough time for kids. I mean, I was like that too. Yeah. Back in the day, never into team sports or anything like that. Luckily found bike racing when I was an early teenager, but it sounds like maybe that type of mindset that you've gotten, and maybe I had that does serve you, I think really well in endurance sports. Anyway. Yeah. I'd agree with that.
1: Yeah. Uh, so you, uh, so 12, you, your folks decided that the Bay area hustle and bustle and they, they moved to Nevada city. I mean, that's quite the change
3: yeah both have a uh, definite <laughs> liberal culture, but yeah, still quite the change um city life to a very rural
1: life. I think nevada city it's it's like America where the town is very liberal, but the outskirts are very opposite. Yeah, so you were twelve. Nevada City is great a lot of outdoor. Obviously the Uber River watershed is so much to do there. so did you did you start getting into stuff? you know, when you, when you moved
3: here? Nothing like running or sports wise, not at all. Really. I did, I did grow up hiking. I should say that. Um, I did a lot of hiking, especially with my dad. So when I say my parents moved us to Nevada city, that's my mom and my stepdad. And I would go visit my dad as well. I grew up hiking, a little hiking and camping with my mom and stepdad, but quite a bit of hiking and camping with My dad, growing up, and then he lived in Richmond and then moved to, well, he got on with National Park Service and moved to Yosemite, maybe a year or so after the Nevada City move, moved to the Valley. So from that point on, I was going to visit him in Yosemite Valley and hiking all the trails with him.
1: Wow. That's pretty spectacular.
3: (laughs)
0: That's cool. Were you like aware of the climbing culture down there too at the time or any of that stuff? Was that of any interest?
3: I don't know if I was interested I think, because I, I don't know. I think it was too big and scary, but yeah. I was aware of it. I do remember um, we would go out to El Capitan Meadow and watch the climbers with binoculars and stuff. Mm. It was cool. That
0: seems like a really cool experience to, <laughs> to go expose yourself to. So Ben, you got a lot of uh, taste for the outdoors down in Yosemite then it sounds like.
1: Yeah,
3: definitely, definitely, absolutely.
1: So, so you stayed in Nevada City? You grew up there, went to high school, and then you just kind of hung out. You stayed there after you after high school.
3: Yeah, um, stayed in the area for a while, um, Nevada County mostly. I was down in Auburn for a year, and then back up, and yeah, I ended up uh, buying my house in Auburn in 2011.
1: And then you started, uh, when did you start getting into, into running or adventuring or more, you know, a young adult? Or?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, always a little bit of hiking with friends and family or whatever. But, you know, just short little stuff really didn't start getting into more longer distance and um, really running again in general um, since I was a kid. Um, until I started doing OCRs, off course races, in 2015.
1: Yeah, I did one of those, and I think 2008 and 2009, I did the Morrell Down and Dirty of Folsom Lake, and when I read your bio, you said you, you got in the mud, you loved it. I, I had the opposite reaction to the mud. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> <laughs> it was rough, cold and wet. It was, it was not pleasant.
0: Was that like the, uh, the electrified mud? Do they have that going on too, or any of that?
1: Or is, yeah, that, a different but... ty- is that
3: a different type of race <laughs>
1: Where they're trying to no. like,
0: shock
3: you and do all that stuff? Yeah. That's a, that's a tough mudder thing. Ah, so, okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are tough. I remember doing a 5k. It was, it was brutal. It was brutal. But so, the, so you started doing the obstacle course races and then, you like that, just the upper body, this, the climbing, and what was it about those you loved?
3: I, I'd been wanting, I don't know, I'd been wanting to start working out again. I had been working out somewhat in the past. i have been wanting to get back to it and stay on it and stay motivated. And, um, a buddy convinced me to come start training. And, um, I don't know, it was, it was definitely the challenge, you know, and, upon completing a race, you know, it's that sense of accomplishment.
0: So and with that, um, I don't know a whole lot about obstacle course racing, but can you talk about like the culture of, of the type of people that show up? Is it people that are primarily, they work out in gyms and they kind of do this as a side thing, or does it attract like runners who are then trying to kind of like build more full body strength?
3: Yes, it attracts some runners. Um, think it attracts more people just coming out of I don't know coming out of the gym you know people working out in the gym or working out at home I've never been a gym guy personally I always worked out at home or you know we would go to a local park and work out we put I don't know if I put this in my little write-up but uh um we used to do so it started as uh A town Spartans, my buddy who got me into, uh, Spartan races. He started that group in 2015 and, uh, it kind of fizzled out after a while. And then I kind of restarted it. Um, eventually changed the name to a town OCR, um, a town being Auburn, um, and kind of building and building and built and built that group. And, um, a couple of few other people came in who are kind of leaders in the scene and like, doing their thing too and we're collaborating and just kept building putting on events accruing more gear building gear that kind of thing um eventually started excuse me started our own business um which i was in for a year uh spot which was sacramento's premier obstacle training one way that people could work out yeah it's uh those are fun courses you know i
1: mean uh definitely is tricky you know i mean they were they were pretty popular i think they still are huh those types of races and there's spartan there's ones that are group races where you can do like uh a collection of people in, in different kind of arrangements you know like team efforts
3: yeah um most mostly like spartan races and top motors mostly it's pretty uh individually based but
1: yeah you did that in 15 and then you did it for a couple of years and what you had, a, you did a into the 2017, you had a made a big decision. I want to talk, talk about that. That was a big effort.
3: Mm. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, yeah, I was kind of looking for something new, looking for change. Um, I did a year of sobriety in 2017 as well. So that kind of led to it. Um, uh, yeah, so I ended up deciding to go hike the PCT, Pacific Crest Trail, put a bunch of money into my house, fixed it up and sold it um, in the beginning of 2018 and uh, jumped on the PCT and like the PCT for five months, Mexico to Canada.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's been on my list for a long time and I've done sections of it, but that is such a big effort. I mean, just the planning and how did you, I mean, as far as the did you bounce boxes for? did you try to eat at places on the way, all of the above? and how much planning when was involved with it? like some people plan for like months
3: or years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, the logistical planning, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, with it being my first through, I, I decided not to do, You know, having packages sent, food packages sent, you know, a lot of people do that. You ask a friend or family, whatever, you know, send me this box at this location, you know, you pre-address them all or whatever. Um, Yeah, I didn't, I didn't do any of that. I just did, I did almost all just buy as I go, just resupplying in little towns along the way. I had one location where I had a buddy in Belden bring me food. Other than that, just buy as I go. Um, but yeah, the, the gear, I really didn't have, as much as I grew up hiking and camping, I really didn't have very much backpacking experience. I've really only been backpacking a few times. Um, <laughs> yeah, so diving into gear was just an unimaginable rabbit hole. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot there. I spent a lot, a lot of time on gear. And I, I ended up, I started out. with just an insane um base weight when i got on the trail i don't even know exactly what it was (laughs) sort of embarrassing to admit so i flew down to san diego when i started when i was getting on the plane uh i was in such a like frantic state i actually missed my first flight and had to get a you know the next catch the next flight um so I totally forgot that I had water in my bladder already. Um, not supposed to take water on a plane. And I had food, all my food, I had way too much food. I had like six days of food and like six liters of water. It was ridiculous. Um, I was over the 50 pound weight limit for a checked baggage. <laughs> I had to pull some stuff out and carry it on.
1: Yeah, six liters of water. There you go. There's, there's, you know, 10 pounds right there. <clears throat> Yeah, I and mean, there's so many resources online uh, as far as it's just like a rabbit hole with, I mean, stuff you can research and how light you can go and you could spend forever. Like my daughter, she had spreadsheets and spreadsheets and spreadsheets. Uh, yeah. So you started, you were like, uh Rick like Reese with a spoon. You started all these books and supplies and you threw them out and you were like, within a, within a couple of days, you were just dropping stuff left and right or what?
3: Yeah. uh, Yeah. I I sent a lot of stuff home throughout the course of the trip trail um, back to my aunt's house. And yeah, I I also like bought a lot of gear online, a lot of like lighter stuff, you know, trying to get lighter gear, reduce my pack weight. Um, I, I very quickly within the first like four or five days realized that, okay, basically (laughs) what it comes down to here is the amount of pack weight equals the amount of pain I'm in every day. <laughs> so I've got to work on this.
0: <laughs> That's oh, an wait. interesting tactic, though, is to kind of like, uh, you know, as you're on the trail, kind of like reset your entire equipment list, you know, by ordering stuff and replacing things and dropping things off. But I, mean, I wonder, like a lot of people don't have that. Yeah, like you said, I mean, you only hiked or, hiked or backpacked or backpacked a few times before that. So you don't really know sometimes until so you get out there. Yep.
1: People talk about when they set foot on the trail, you know, they, they plan for months and months and all you, all you think about is day one. Like you're thinking about the day you're there, the day you arrive, the day you start. And then they say, it's so stressful. But once you get on the trail a few days in, it's like, how is that transition?
3: Uh, yeah. <laughs> the day before I started was arguably the most stressful day of my life um but i so i ended up getting in like to the southern terminus um like late at night like i took like public transportation and then ended with an uber um to the terminus and just cowboy camped. didn't set up a tent because i got in at like 11 o'clock woke up the next morning um packed up started moving and it was just like relief just washed over me <laughs> yeah just yeah life became simple
1: from then on yeah i've talked to a lot of a lot of people over the years you know about you know what they did and, and they said it's just about i 1st heard I'm even from some of our guests about how it's it's complicated but it's simple you know just a the, every day it's just a simple your life existence is just Every day the same thing, but it's just nice to finally get out there and and start.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so did you have people like at home that had to kind of look after anything for you? I mean, you had sold your house. So were there any other loose ends that people had to deal with while you were out there? Or were you just pretty much able to put everything out of your mind? Um,
3: my dog that was the uh, biggest one yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so my aunt um yeah very thankful for my to my aunt she watched my dog for five months while i was out there and mm-hmm. um i i didn't like sell all my stuff i ended up actually building a shed on her property and we moved a whole bunch of my crap into the shed
1: <laughs> yeah I just so many things about the pct i mean the southern desert is I mean, it's, it's a lot of it's just hot and brutal, huh? So, did you start early in the early in the year? As far as the pack, were you ahead of the pack? Were you kind of like mid-pack? Were you late in the season? Or how was your what? What did you start?
3: Uh, yeah, I started a little early. Um, I actually started March 28th. Which definitely on the early side. Um, so I was ahead of the pack really the whole time. Um, I took it easy for quite a while. Like, I was really taking my time for a while because I knew I was early and there's still snow in Sierras. So, there's no rush trying to get to Kennedy Meadows South at plenty of time.
1: The river crossings, I don't know about the year. Was it a heavy snow year? What were the creeks like when you started to get into the Sierras? Were there, to me, I think that would be the most challenging because I know how, how I am on a wet log. It's not, <laughs> not pretty. That's my biggest <laughs> fear is slipping off a log.
3: <laughs> uh yeah, it it is 2018, so it was not a high snow year fortunately. Um, I'd really have been screwed if it was um, since I started early. Just because I started early, it was there's still a significant amount of snow in the Sierras when I got started or when I yeah, when I started into the Sierras. I think I started from Kennedy Meadows into the Sierras. May 18th or 19th, in my first two days, I was getting snowed and hailed on.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, that's just tough. I, the creek crossing, you know, that's just, I think that's rough. Uh, up to your knees, that's flowing, you get got a backpack, and yeah, that seems challenging.
3: Yeah, yeah, as far as the water crossings, um, yeah, some of them can be a little sketchy. I mean, yeah. I carried one trekking pole. I'm not really a trekking pole guy, but I carried one through the Sierras primarily for that. Also it's helpful in the snow, Um, but for water crossings for sure.
0: Now, um, you know, doing the uh, PCT, uh, there's other long distance trails in the US, Appalachian Trail, is it also at the Continental Divide Trail? Mm-hmm. Have you uh, thought about doing the the trio or at the trio, I guess, at some point in your life?
3: That's the yeah, the triple crown. Triple crown, yeah. Free. Yeah, I've thought about it. I I'm not sure I'm really interested in doing another long trail of that length. Mm-hmm.
0: I gotta put in the boat for the Appalachian, you know, East Coast guy here. So <laughs> yeah (laughs) just get ready for humidity and bugs like that's the big the big issue out there that's definitely a challenge Mm -hmm. um and so just to kind of like hear about sort of the the end of the trail uh pacific crest like did you have that kind of like peak experience out there along the way or like when you arrived what was that feeling like and then I guess the thing I'm always interested in too, just going away and doing even like a a race for a weekend. Sometimes there's a little bit of culture shock coming back, or if you're away for a week doing something, what's it like trying to return to quote quote unquote normal life after that long on a trail?
3: Definitely a lot of highs. I mean, you go through highs and lows on the trail, good days and bad days. Yeah, I definitely had, there's one day in particular that I'll never forget. Um, uh, Lakes Basin, north of Sierra City, Gold Lake area. Um, I don't know. It's it's tough to explain, but it, you know, it's like the runner's high. It's that endorphin high, and just that connection with nature, and just you know, full immersion in it, and just feel like you're flying. It's just amazing day out there. Yeah, as far as uh, re-entry is what we call it in the through-hiking world. Um, a lot of people, when they come back to society, they have a hard time with that. Um, you know, going back to a nine-to-five and uh, missing the trail life, missing the simplicity of it and the beauty of it. I I think I didn't have... I think the younger crowd has a particularly hard time with that. Um Think when you get a little older, it's it's easier. Um I think in your younger years, doing something like a through hike is more life-changing, very formative, you know, your formative years. Um uh I also didn't have to go back to work right away, so that was a factor, I think, as well.
0: Yeah, nice, nice way to ease back into things for sure.
1: Yeah, I've definitely heard that story many times of people having trouble transitioning back to life. And, and I think it always makes you think about wanting to do something, have something next. But your your stories and your adventures, it seems like you jump into things, different things. You know, you transition, you you get into something for a while, and you explore it for a while, then you trust something else for a while. Uh, you know, I mean even if you never threw like again, you know, I mean you've done a big effort. There's so many things you can do in life. And why find something new i mean i'm i'm with you there you know
3: yeah yeah agreed
1: so so you Um, got back and and uh you you got back and then you you started getting into get back to your normal life and into hiking and get into trail running or how did you transition in because you have a long history of races that you started right around that time
3: yeah i primarily went right back into ocrs um I was registered for World's Toughest Mudder. Um, we were a couple of buddies and I, Jeremy Payne and Greg Bull. We were doing the Holy Grail that year, which is Tough Mudder's competitive series. So it's World's Toughest Mudder, uh, Toughest, America's Toughest Mudder it's the full name, and uh, Tougher Mudder, which is just the um, competitive version of a regular Tough Mudder. Mm. So America's Toughest is, it used to be eight hours. It was eight hours at the time. Now it's 12. Um, they changed it. but And then the World's Toughest Mudder is 24 hours.
1: This don't sound appealing to me. Oh.
0: <laughs> There's probably some slippery, slippery logs involved, right, Mike?
1: Oh, slippery logs, uh, all the stuff that I just, I'm not a fan of.
0: Cold, wet. <laughs> yeah. Heat oh, man. Maybe heat, who knows?
1: Uh, so, so so you uh, so you got into a bunch of those, and then you, you've also done a lot of traditional trail races. Trail racing is different than obstacle course and OCR, because this vibe to like a thru you're just kind of out there in the woods exploring. I mean, is that, how did you start getting into non-OCRs, I guess?
3: Yeah, I mean, really, I started enjoying trail running through training for OCRs from you know, OCRs are on trails or at least on dirt roads. Um, you're out on dirt anyway. So I'd go train it. just go run on trails. Um, yeah. And it took me a little while. I think I look at my race history. I think 2016 is when I really started getting into, uh, rail running and growing my distance and, um remember i just accidentally ended up doing you know, marathon distance on a trail run one day and yeah just kept building and building just the love for it just kept growing
1: what is this uh what is this red bull 400 what's that about
3: <laughs> that one is
1: like i've not heard of many of these so many races of all different different types too they're not like there's triathl- triathlons, 5Ks, different sprints, all kinds of variety of stuff that, you, that you've been involved with.
3: Yeah, um, I have done quite a variety. Uh did do a couple triathlons in 2016. Um, got to do Epi's Great Race before it went under or ended.
1: Epi's Great Race, so when I was a busboy when I was a kid, I worked there at Epi's. Busting tables, and I actually used to wear the shirt every year because they made us buy the shirts, and uh, we have to wear the Epi's great race shirt. And he, Epi would come in and eat at the restaurant, and uh, that was around for was it like the longest. It was like thirty five years in a row. It was like the longest thing in the country for a long time, or something. You know, it's one of the earliest ones.
3: Yeah, I think so.
1: And that one That's is kayaking, cool. running, and biking. Is that right? Yeah. So so you got into I mean a variety of races and then when did you do your first you've done a lot of ultras as well when did you do your start to get longer like longer distances into 35k and 50k 2017 or 18
0: Hey everybody this is Greg Larkin one of the co-hosts of the Mile 99 interview podcast just want to take a minute here to give a shout out to Krista Cavender. We just worked with her. Uh, she's a graphic design artist and she redid our logo for us. We're really excited about it. We've put it out on all of our social media here as of uh, late January and uh, we highly recommend her services. If you're looking for graphic design work, logo design for your business, something like that, uh, please give her a shout. Her Instagram is Krista with a K Cavender And you can also find her online at kcavenderdesign.com. Highly recommended. She does great work, really clean, beautiful graphics. I think you'll be really pleased. Uh, I know we were. So as always, take care and we'll see you on the trails.
3: Yeah, first 50K was uh, like early 2017 um yeah i think i did a couple i did a few 35 k's before that i did formidable um i'm look back at my history
0: here
1: you did, you did the k2 challenge which is one of greg's favorites
0: oh yeah it was one of my first races after i moved to auburn uh i think i lasted four laps that was my longest run ever at that point <laughs> <laughs> Nice. I think uh, actually, isn't there like a a similar race coming up this weekend? Uh, out in cool, last runner standing, or something like that? Are you signed up for that one then?
3: No, I'm not. <laughs> uh, no, I'll be out of town. Yeah, but yeah, it does look interesting. Yeah, want Winner- to raise races? Yeah, oh, yeah.
1: It? I just want to raise. Yep. Huh, interesting. So, you, so you've done into you. I mean, you've done a lot of great, great ultras. A lot of our, a lot of our local ones as well. Formidable Salmon Falls. Uh, you know, Robinson flat. I mean, a lot of our great ones, but one of them popped out is that Antelope Canyon is what is a beautiful place. I've always wanted to go. I mean, how was that one? That's been on my list for a long time. How was that one?
3: Uh, Yeah, that's, that is one of my favorites actually that I've done. Um, It was beautiful. Um, You go right by horseshoe bend, um, you know, which is iconic. Uh, You go through several different slot canyons um, so I did the 50 mile. Um, I believe you have to do the 50 mile if you want to actually go through Antelope Canyon itself. Um, yeah, it was a, it's a beautiful course. I recommend it and well done race.
1: Yeah. It seems like a, was it was a lot of sand. Was it a pretty sandy course or was it mostly rocks, rocky or what?
3: Yeah, there, there's, there's definitely some sand, but it's not, too bad as far as like percentage goes there's more slick rock as they call it which is not slick um it looks slick when it's wet which is why they call it that it's actually sandstone and it's pretty grippy but um there's a significant amount of that which does tend to beat up your feet a little bit because it's hard
1: yeah i've had races like that where it's a lot of exposed rock and even though the trail is not technical it's just a pounding like you're on concrete all day yeah yeah that can be pretty tough so you did that and recently more recently you've done you know more things in utah zion i mean that was that was this year early huh That that that's pretty awesome huh
3: yeah yeah zion was another again same company vacation races uh yeah zion is beautiful um it doesn't go in the park but it's still a beautiful area um yeah i enjoyed that one a lot
1: how was that? I mean, as far as the pandemic goes, what were some of the restrictions?
3: You know, it wasn't bad. Um, I mean, that wasn't too long ago. It was just a couple months ago. Yeah, that was, what, 410. Now, restrictions-wise, it was actually fairly lax. Um, it's, it's also, like, we're kind of going by California standards, and this is out in Utah, and it's, like, wide-open desert.
1: Yeah, definitely a different, uh, different vibe. We were in Arizona, and it was it, it was a lot more relaxed out there as well. And then obviously last weekend, I mean, you kept the hundred k street going. Congrats on that race. That was a good race. You were at the local, go big or go home. It's pretty awesome. Yeah,
3: yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah, that was it was a tough day. Now, um wasn't it super hot out there? It was pretty warm, uh, yeah. It's supposed to be high of 84. I was looking, my, I have a little thermometer on my pack and it said high of 86, so somewhere in there.
0: That's well, not too bad. While well, we were back here, I don't know, in the 90s and 100s, right? Or I can't remember what the weekend <laughs> it all runs together at this point. It was hot,
3: yeah, yeah, not terrible, but it was bad enough. I got <sighs> my biggest mistake was not monitoring closely enough how much water I had in my pack left in my bladder. And I ran out of water at one point, um, between mile eight stations at miles 31 and 38. And I was ended up being out of water for like three miles. And right when the heat was really starting to set in and then there were like these exposed dirt road sections and in full sun and, um, ended up, like, it started really hitting me hard, and I was getting dizzy and just exhausted, heat exhausted. And finally, just like sat down on the side of the road, and fortunately, this car showed up, and um, they filled up. They had they are resupplying an aid station, so they like filled up my pack with ice and water, and gave me an ice cold Gatorade, and just saved my life. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that's tough.
1: I mean, yeah, when you get to be at that point, it's not only your body's feeling it, but mentally it's hard. You being out of water is a mental, it's really tough mentally. When you know it's hot, you you just know it's bad. And so it, it, mentally it's challenging when you when you run out of water. I know it's like what it's like.
0: Yeah. A lot of anxiety starts creeping in and you start getting really worried about conserving. And then if you're out, you're like where's the next drink gonna come from? And am I gonna make it and all that? So yeah. It's pretty, uh, pretty intense experience. It sounds like, how'd you end up then?
3: Uh, well, if I just come back from that and been good for the rest of the race, I would have done pretty well by my standards anyway. Um, but I made it about 12, 13 more miles feeling pretty good. Um, and then it came back, came back for me and I started getting nauseous and dizzy again and basically i just decided okay well i have to take a break if i keep pushing it's just going to get worse i was on this long uphill section so i'm like okay even though it had started cooling down at that point um it's like all right i just have to sit down and take a break so i sat down for like 25 minutes just relaxed closed my eyes helped a little um pushed on just walking from there i did mostly walking from there until, so this was at mile 49.5. And the next aid station was at 56 point something. So I did mostly walking, almost all walking to the next aid station, just trying to keep the nausea at bay. Got to that aid station and they had miso soup and rice balls. Mm. I, I am a huge believer now in miso soup. <laughs> miso soup saved me. <laughs> I, felt, I took a half hour break there and I felt 100% better afterward.
0: Get all that salt in. I mean, it's just like pure salt and <laughs> all that good stuff, right?
1: You know, it's a challenge for ultra runners to give themselves permission to take a break. because, And I wonder if that comes from your through hiking experience of, of allowing yourself time because. Most of us don't even, we, we just can't give ourselves permission to to just take a break unless you are sitting because you physically have no other choice. How was that decision? Was it easier? Did you have to, was it a battle? Cause most of us would have trouble with that.
3: Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, de- it was definitely a battle for me too. It still is. Um, yeah. I'm probably drawing on some through hiking experience. Um, I think I'm mostly in that situation drawing on my heat exhaustion slash heat stroke experience, which is miserable. I've, this is the fourth time I've had it. And I I hate being nauseous. <laughs> I really don't want to experience that anymore. So if I can keep that at bay, I have to bite the bullet and do it.
1: What are, I mean, I, and it's pretty common, I mean, we live in this part of Northern California where it's always hot. And and we go to Javelina, we go to different places in the Southwest. And I don't even know the secret to that. Is 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 there a way out of that? I mean, who is good at that? Is it just luck, your body? I mean, what does it come down to?
3: That's a very good question. Yeah, I don't have the answer. I
1: don't know. I don't either. I don't think many people do. So, what kind of elevation was on that race? And you, I don't, I don't even know what, what was the course like.
3: Um, so they've, um, Carrie, Carrie Cooper is the race director. She's changed the course, changed it last year from previous years due to COVID. Um, so it's almost, it's virtually all fire roads now. Um, you know, more space for people to spread out. Um, so, yeah. There's a lot of shade. There's, there are some exposed sections. Um, the start finish, I believe is was 4,300 feet.
1: Huh. It's like a good course. And it's like it was a good turnout. A lot of people on uh, social media were out there. So it was like, it was a, it's, I think we we're just excited to get back into races and to be doing stuff. They we were just excited to be out. Yeah.
0: I think the first time I heard about that race was our friend, uh, Mike Trueblood got out there and what, what did he win it like a couple of years ago or something?
1: It was a couple of years ago, huh? But that, that's always been a good one. He he's did they have a they were gonna have a hundred pretty soon, but they haven't yet, right? Before COVID, they were talking about adding a hundred in.
3: Uh yeah, no, there was a hundred mile this year.
1: Oh, there was okay.
3: Yeah.
0: All right. Time to add it. Add it to the list. So, uh, so yeah, you've had a lot of miles in this year so far, it seems like. And uh, we also became aware of something that uh, you decided to undertake as well, um, setting a, a first-time uh, circumnavigation of Folsom Lake, Folsom Lake Perimeter FKT, I guess technically OKT, only known time as well. Um, our friend of the show and uh, uh, previous guest, Danny Murphy, uh, I, I noticed... I was poking around in the fastest known time website last, I don't know, late summer, fall, something like that. And somehow I just came across one of the new routes somebody had posted, but it hadn't actually been attempted yet. It was the Folsom Lake perimeter. So I'm looking at this and, oh, this has got a really interesting description. And then I noticed the, the username of the person. And I thought, oh, that looks familiar. And I checked it out and it's like, oh, yeah, that's Danny Murphy. So my theory was, okay, he must have made this thing. He's going to probably do it. I started getting interested in it. Mike and I went out and started doing some recon. Then I got plantar fasciitis and then boom, you came along this year and and, uh, knocked it out. So let's, let's hear the story all about this. How did you hear about it? What made you want to do it?
3: My only DNF, I'll start there, was (laughs) at Flute, Wilson Mike Ultra Trail um, in 2019. Heat stroke, the worst I've ever had it. Whoa. Yeah. Um, so since then I've been wanting to either do flute again or get back out there in some way, shape or form and circumnavigate the lake. Um, and I had actually thought about, um, coming up with a route that was more trail and less road and submitting it myself. And then I did a search at some point and found that that route was up there. I was like, Oh, somebody beat me to it. That's all right. Hmm check out the route you know interest starts building and building and yeah um eventually the timing worked out training and timing and um yeah yeah the off-trail section was definitely a challenge 14 miles of off-trail
1: where did you start and was it clockwise counterclockwise
3: yeah i started uh northeast of new york but south southwest of salmon falls somewhere in there um and i went counterclockwise so i planned it so i would have about 12 miles of trail before uh ideally in the dark before getting to the off-trail section and then have that 14 miles still pretty early in my run off trail get it done with and then immediately after that is the river crossing at oregon bar uh, and then just have all trail from there um and that would put me at the river crossing you know midday in the heat of the day um seems like a good plan
1: yeah, greg and i were researching the the water flows out of oxbow lake on the, on the middle fork and looking at how the when the you know when the water flows would be higher low and trying to plan that. Or what was the story? Uh, So it's recent. So you had had to deal with that, huh?
3: Yeah. Um I didn't even look into that. (laughs) 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 Um a true (laughs) adventurer. Yeah, we went down there. Jeremy and I went, Jeremy Payne and I went down there the weekend before and checked out the river crossing at Oregon Bar and um yeah to see how, how feasible it was gonna be and that was basically the recall
1: after PCT yeah that's like that's just like that's like a, a babbling brook
3: <laughs> yeah we we also did uh a, a big section like seven Or eight? How much was it? Like eight or nine miles of the off trail section. Um, So we did that, and then uh, I can't think of the name of where the location where we started. Anyway, we did that in the same direction, going north up to Oregon Bar at the cross to Oregon Bar.
0: Let's let's also just for um, giving anyone who's listening who's not familiar with this area a little information about Folsom Lake. First of all, it's a reservoir, so it's got dam releases and the whole thing. Um, if you look at it on a map, it's not your typical just circular lake or even remotely anything like that. It's got like the, the the forks off to the north and everything. And then yeah, the water level varies so much. So at this time of year, with the lack of rain, you could do a circumnavigation of the water portion of it <laughs> in a much shorter mileage, I'm guessing, like by following the actual water line. But the way that the route is written on fastest known time you have to stay above a certain contour line to kind of like adhere to the spirit of the of the fkt from what i understand so was that your understanding and what did you have to do in terms of choosing through that off trail section because when mike and i went out there i mean we were on some like seriously steep talus slopes that were like going right down into the water like just below the the vegetation line it was pretty hairy in there
3: yeah yeah, so that's uh, that was a tricky thing in terms of the route and navigating it. Um, yeah, especially in the upper upper portion as you get closer and closer to Oregon Bar. Yeah, that's. I did talk to Danny about that, and is there some there are some areas where like. So I think you're. I'm trying to remember the number now. I think it's the specification is to stay within like 16 feet of the high water line. Mm. um which in certain areas like like you're talking about there's just like steep rock that you're trying to navigate in order to stay within that and like when i was out there the high water was significantly lower and they're like in some spots beaches where i could be just walking (laughs) (laughs) but instead to stay within that 16 feet i'm like scrambling rock scrambling but yeah i I
1: yeah, Greg and I did some recon on that section, and we we first started out above the waterline and the trees, and then realized if you were under that that cut edge, you, you know, it's still so many rocks, and that side of the, the canyon is, is pretty steep, so it's a, it's a scramble through there. It's not easy in the trees or in the rocks.
3: Yeah, yeah, they're there are definitely some areas where, yeah, it's not easy, no matter which way you go. Um, So there are some spots where like you end up, if you stay too high, like you end up getting engulfed in, you know, trees and brush and it becomes, you know, so difficult to get through. So what a lot of times what I would do is just stay just above the high water line. So I'm like, walking in grass and then like when as soon as i see the minute i see the trees and brush start to thicken i'm like okay get out of this jump back right below high water line traverse right below it to avoid that how long
1: did it take to get through that that section
3: yeah so 14 miles took me seven and a half hours wow
0: (laughs) that's a long day out there (laughs) And you had, you had support along the way. It was a supported FKT. Um, and how often did you have people meeting you and helping you out with supplies and that kind of thing?
3: Yeah. Um, so I, I really never do supported FKTs, So it was kind of a new thing and uh, it was a learning experience. I kind of decided last minute, like the week of to have support. Um, so there are definitely some things I would do a little differently in the future. Yeah, I had uh, Jeremy again, brought me a drop bag at Oregon Bar when I crossed, and then he brought it to me uh, at Rattlesnake, and then dropped it for me, stashed it for me again at uh, one more location, and then uh, Cal, Cal Val, met me at a couple locations again beyond that, so um, yeah, good amount of support, it was very helpful.
1: So that's an amazing uh, adventure. I'm certain it'll be on people's list. Now this has been the year of, of FKTs. Coronavirus has put a lot of us in different places and without adventures or a race, we've been thinking of our own. Just so, so many, you know, FKTs have been out there. So you've done some other ones. You have a good list on the FKT website. You've done some really great ones, uh, like that. Uh, that C to Summit is one that I've looked at at Mount Tam. That looks like a pretty interesting one and Obviously, Nevada County, you've done some great ones. I've done a lot of running on Pioneer Trail. So that's a that's a long long one in the trees, huh? So you've gotten also the South Yuba River. What are some of your favorites that you've done?
3: I think my favorites are probably the longer ones. Um, I think the one I'm most proud of is my first one still, the Trans-Yosemite route. It was the original route that I created and put up and went out and did on my own. I didn't do it fast. I was a little under trained for it. So I just took my time through it, but, um, it was, I got some weird numbers, but it was somewhere around 75 miles, 13,000 feet of gain. I think.
1: Uh, that's, a uh, yeah, that's a nice one. There's a lot of fun things you can do. So and we'll link your website to the notes of the, you know, if GT can folks can jump into that and look at the adventures you've done. So one other thing you did last summer, which was pretty interesting, was the rim to rim to rim. You and a bunch of our other local runners went out there last summer, and that was that was when a lot of folks did last summer. And that was and that's obviously on my list. How was that?
3: Yeah, uh, it was tough. Um, I think I was the best trained for it of the four of us who went. Um, yeah, it was hard. It was harder than any of us expected it to be. Um, We definitely, I I was okay. The other three guys with me all had some form of like altitude or heat, some combination of the two issues.
1: Your heat worked out well and you've had heat trouble in the past. How did you, what was different about that?
3: That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I guess I stayed on top of my hydration I think our timing was really was pretty good too. Like we started. Um, so we did, we did like the five miles of the rim trail first early in the morning. Then we went down um, South Kaibab, up North Kaibab, and back down it. And then came up back up Bright angel. Um, yeah. I, as far as timing, I think we, we got, up high enough before the real heat hit and then we were going back down late enough where it wasn't too hot anymore at that point
1: (laughs) so just a matter of timing but uh, folks been out there even early in the year there was folks showing it's there's ice and snow even even in, in may right uh sometimes that just depends on the weekend huh
3: yeah yeah that's definitely high desert um yeah i mean we were early enough that we weren't too worried about snow, but um, I mean, heat was still definitely an issue. Um, poor Tim, Tim Felker. Uh, he, so Jeremy and Brian, uh, Jeremy Payne, Brian Goldman, um, they, they ended up deciding to stay um, after we reached the North Rim, um, not continue uh, because i wanted i was set on going back and doing the whole thing uh tim came with me and uh, he ended up being in really bad shape trying to climb out on right angel he was in puking and just I, i've never seen someone in that battle shape before it was very concerning
1: you <laughs> to made us it so you got out of
3: there yeah yeah, we made it eventually. We didn't get out of there until 1 a.m.
2: Yikes. Yeah. And you weren't puking, so you were just watching someone puke? That's a tough stomach. I don't think I could handle that. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: Well, we've come to the end of an hour so fast, so many stories. I'm going to hit you with a couple rapid fire, and then we're going to get out of here. Are you ready for it? I hope so. Nothing hard. You know all the answers. Um, okay. So would you rather hike or would you rather trail run race?
3: Mm. That's tough. Mm. (laughs) I'm going to say trail run.
2: Really? That's cool. Um, uh, bucket list race.
3: Uh, I was thinking about that one. I don't know. Like, nothing i don't think i have any like one big one that i really want to do there are a lot that interest me but i don't really have one specific one
2: you've done a lot i think if you just if you see something then you just do it <laughs> um and then post race meal or effort what's your go-to um uh,
3: i have a guess salty chips and usually with guacamole
2: Yum. Good choice. And then this one's really controversial on our show. So are you ready? Okay. Cats or dogs?
3: <laughs> um, I actually love both, but I guess I have to say dogs because I do have a dog.
2: Whoa. Cat or cat. Greg is our big cat guy. <laughs> <laughs> I have dogs and cats. Mike doesn't wanna take care I've, of anything or I any have plants. He has plants. He's plants. He's our plants.
1: So too. That's not one of the questions though. Plants or dogs.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I had to change a rapid fire because it was like road or trail. Well I kinda of already knew. So I was I threw a curveball in there. All um, right guys. We're coming to the end of the show. You can find us at the 99 interview.com. We're also on Instagram and Facebook, the Mile 99 Interview. Make sure to check out our Patreon. $1. We have some awesome, awesome news coming and some awesome shows coming up. Um, thanks for your time, guys, and we will see you on the trails. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you. See ya. Bye, Troy.
3: Bye.